Welcome to the Tech Arena, featuring authentic discussions between tech's leading innovators and our host, Allison Klein. Now, let's step into the arena. Welcome to the Tech Arena. My name is Allison Klein, and today I have an important guest. I'd like to welcome Emre Baran, co-founder and CEO of Cerebos, to the show. Emre, welcome to the program. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me here. Uh, my name is Emre, as you mentioned, and I'm the co-founder CEO of Serbos. With Serbos, uh, we're on a mission to make authorizations simpler to implement and manage for developers. We can, of course, deep that way deep dive into that. So I wanted to just start with authorization. I mean, I think everybody knows what authorization is at, at first level, but this is, you know, constantly ranks as one of the top challenges of security. And within distributing computing landscapes, those security challenges are getting even more um, difficult uh, to manage for a lot of organizations. Why don't you just give us a grounder on authorization and why you decided to focus in this area with Cerbos? Sure. Let me be clear what authorization is and isn't, because there is a very uh, closely named sibling of authorization, which is authentication. And people tend to actually confuse those two terms a lot. Authentication is the act of logging verifying your identity. And this is basically when you're logging into any system, you put your username, password, verifying who you are. And that is not what we focus on. We focus on authorization, which is a step right after you log into a product, uh, a software product. Authorization is ultimately what can you do? What are you, what do you have permission to do? And what do you cannot do? What, you know, what should be available to you? What information should you be able to see? What action should you be able to do? versus not. And authorization is a very important part of every software application that has multiple users in multiple roles, because these users usually need to collaborate in order to be able to complete their workflow. And authorization limits the things you can do, the things your manager can do, the things that your teammates can do. And it's a very important topic because ultimately this is the last line of defense right before you take an action and it's the last check to see whether a user is allowed to do something or not. And it's been very important lately. It's, it actually crept up to number one issue in OWASP 10 because it is a very uh, simple um, attack vector that actually, you know, malicious users, you know, tend to exploit in order to be able to get certain actions in. It's an interesting challenge. I would assume that malicious actors are trying to appear as admins or, you know, giving themselves rights to different areas of the application that they shouldn't have within their profiles. How do they do that? Um, and how do you prevent it? Um, how do they do that? They actually pose as somebody else. But the issue, biggest issue is if you have a very basic software application and you only have users in three different roles, a manager, let's say, an admin uh -huh. manager and a read-only user. And that's usually because you haven't actually invested too much time into your authorization layer. That's why, because you didn't really define what should be the different roles and permissions that should be assigned to each one of those roles. Uh -huh. As more fine-grained you get with your authorization and permissions, you can actually assign many more roles. You can actually caveat different actions, uh, different things around, you know, when an admin can actually edit an account, what a, when a manager... Um, you know, what are the approval le different le approval levels of a manager? 
So when a malicious user actually pretends to be someone and all the permissions are very coarse, suddenly a manager, which has superpowers, actually mm -hmm. is a major attack vector to be fished or to be, uh, to be exploited. And that's why authorization is very, fine-grained authorization is very important, but it's a very costly and time-consuming thing to implement on an average software product. Now, in reading about Servos, I realized that you've really um, decoupled um, authorization from the applicant application development process. Why did you choose to do that? And what does that give as an advantage to your customers? So we decided to do that because it's ultimately in every software application, uh, the business logic and authorization logic should be actually separated. Mm -hmm. Business logic is about, you know, what are the users, what can the users do as part of their workflow, et cetera, whereas authorization, user, uh, authorization logic is, are they allowed to do that? And we decided to separate that because when you actually look at software development, let's go back to 1960s, right? When you had to actually build software, you had to build every single layer of that software. A very simple example is a database, right? Back then independent databases, the coupled databases didn't exist. Somebody who wrote software had to write their own, um, their own database, uh, data storage layer. And then later in, you know, later 60s and 70s, databases got decoupled. And if you look at today, nobody writes their own database. They actually take one off the shelf and implement it. And they use its very simple API to store data and to retrieve data. So if we look at software ev uh, evolutions in 60s, a lot of services like this started getting decoupled. When we look at payment systems, for example, you know, the credit card processing got decoupled. Nobody does that actually within their code. They call an API and get credit cards uh, processed. Similarly, uh, emailing and messaging got decoupled. Nobody actually builds their own email sending, um, email sending services. And when we look at security, Authentication got decoupled by the likes of Okta and Auth0. Nobody actually does their own username and password lookup. Um, the directory, user directory, got decoupled with LDAP earlier on, now with Active Directory, uh, Cognito, and et cetera. Everybody stores all that information. And then logs got decoupled. There are a lot of services out there that actually consume your logs and make them uh, searchable and, and usable. However, within that security realm, authorization is still something that's being done in, by developers in application code. And the reason behind that is it's one of those things that you actually don't really need it as part of your MVP most of the time. You can actually get away with three lines of code. It looks very simple to start with. However, as your product gets more and more complex, suddenly your requirements from it starts getting more complex. And that three lines of code that actually checks whether somebody is a manager or not, now needs to check if somebody belongs to one of those 15 roles. And based on those 15 roles, what are the different actions they can do? So, and especially in the modern computing, now take that same logic with all the microservices and distributed computing. Now take that same code and distribute it 15 times to all the different services that you're using. And then take a look at one line of change of that you need to do to the logic, suddenly how much of an issue it becomes. And we've seen this in our founding team. We've ultimately built authorization layers in the different pieces of software we were building up to, we've written and rewritten up to 10 times. And it's one of those things that is indifferentiated, doesn't 
you know, give your product any more advantage than anything else. It's one of those table stake enterprise requirements. However, yet it consumes an average, you know, software team of three, four, but three months to be able to build something scalable and future-proof. And that's why we decided to dedicate our lives to solve this once for all. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what has the customer response been and, and how are people implementing this? So the customer response has been very positive. Those who have actually, um, uh, who have seen the pain in their previous lives, jump on it and implement it and never look back. Mm-hmm. Um, the response we get is very positive and the way that imp- to implement it, how they implement it, we try to make it as simple as possible. One of the very first principles that we paid a lot of attention to is a developer experience. We recognize that today applications get deployed in so many different ways and in so many different types of technologies in so many different languages. So very first things that we have done with Serbos, we actually paid so much attention to our ecosystem. We wanted to make sure that SDKs are, exist in all the major languages. So the request to check whether somebody's allowed to do something or not is as simple as possible, as native as possible to the code. Then we uh, paid a lot of attention to showing developers how and where in their framework to implement Serbos. So we've mm-hmm. done a lot of examples with all the major frameworks showing where authorization comes into play and how to check it. Then, uh, of course, as I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, authorization never exists on its own. Authorization actually is a natural step right after authentication. So we paid a lot of attention to showing developers how to couple services authorization with all the major authentication providers, as well as generic JWT token providers. So they get a sense. And lastly, um, as I briefly mentioned, there's so many different deployment models today in the world. There's, um, you know, there are still bare metal services people deploy mm-hmm. services on. There are VMs. There are... Um, you know, containers, containerized deployments, dockers, uh, there are edge distributions, so uh, Wasm. So we're actually paying a lot of attention to make sh- making sure servos can actually play with any sort of system that has one or many of these different deployment models. And it's the still centralized single solution to be able to dictate the authorization rules of an application no matter where it runs. I'm glad you brought up WebAssembly because I was going to ask you, you know, it- very popular for edge edge applications. And is there, when you start uh, delivering um, applications using Wasm, is there any change in the way you do authorization or is it just um, simply integration within the, the finalization of the application? So there are, t- uh, the major thing that we pay attention to, the, of course, you can take Wasm and bundle it into your node application, a backend application, mm-hmm. and that's fine. However, when you deploy, uh, when we look at the authorization space and you're taking a Wasm bundle and integrating into your front-end applications such as React or Angular, mm-hmm. then an additional consideration come into play. Because uh, you know, inherently, an application that you deploy into a customer's or end-user's browser is insecure. So we have a, um, you know, we are launching Serverless Clouds uh, publicly in about a month where, uh, you know, the Wasm bundles are part of it. And with that, what we enable is being able to do all sorts of same server-side checks within the browser, within the application. So that is actually gives it a lot of performance for all the UI. 
I think all the checks that you need to do in the UI, but everybody, it's, you know, a, a smart developer can actually circumvent that and, and directly hit an API. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we're making sure the WASM bundle that's actually deployed in the browser is synchronized to the same policy that's running on the service engine at the API. Nice. So in a sense, we make developer life easier or we make the development and the user experience very fast by being able to check all these permissions within the browser. But then once the request actually hits the API, it's actually validated again before it gets committed. Now, Emery, I know this is not your first company that you founded. You were, you were the co-founder and CTO of Yanja, um, one of Turkey's largest social networks. You were um, the co-founder and CTO of Qubit, now part of uh, Covio. So you've got a really nice history of innovation. Um, what is your vision for your current company in terms of aspirations? And where are you on that journey? So I would say... First of all, we are at the very beginning of that journey. The aspiration um, that I have is, so if I look at my journey with Yonja, we did a B2C, right? Mm -hmm. It was a social network dealing with, uh, with, with, with consumers at the end of the day. And prior to uh, Qubit, I was actually a product manager at Google. So I've seen a little bit of B2B, B2C there. I, I was a product manager in ads. With Qubit, we actually tackled B2B e-commerce mainly, mm -hmm. but B2B. And the way that we are now, what we're tackling with Servos is a B2D and which in a way I see it as a nice intersection of B2B and B2C world where mm -hmm. the end users very much so the developers behave like a B2C customer because, you know, you can't really just market them or sell them. Uh, they need to like the product and buy it on their own. And then the selling process, actual commercial process, very much so behaves like a B2B because you have to go through notions of a commercial company in order to be accepted. Uh, within their ecosystem. And it's a very challenging intersection of, mm -hmm. of those two worlds. But the way that we see this is we're ultimately building towards a whole new standard how the software applications are developed. Mm -hmm. We're seeing this when we look at the world, we see this uh, trend towards decoupling, all these services being provided to developers and developers more and more focusing their time on their core business requirements rather than having to build infrastructure. And we want to be a part of that journey where we provide high level, high quality security layer to software so that they can actually focus on their core business. And I would say we are at the very beginning, we're starting with authorization and in the you know, short to medium term, we don't want to take our eye off authorization, but uh, in the long term, security and all the developer tooling around security layer is very big. I think that's almost an endless pursuit uh, in terms of all of the security capabilities uh, for distributed applications. Exactly. And that's the world that we're preparing Servos for because, you know, th there are some applications that when we go and talk to large enterprises who've been around for 20 years, mm -hmm. they have so many different systems in all these different types of technologies. And we wanted to make sure when we're building Servos, one policy can actually to every single application that they're running. Or there are some applications still have some of their data in, in the mainframes and some of their data exposed in a mobile application. How do you actually have a uniform authorization layer across all of that, all of that ecosystem is what we're trying to deliver towards. And we do that by having a very uniform API and an application that can actually be distributed and run 
uh, in all of these inter- environments all at the same time. Uh, one final question for you. This interview has been really interesting, so thank you for being on the program today. Um, where can folks find out more about Cerebos and, and get engaged with your team about evaluating uh, your solutions? Absolutely. Um, so Cerebos is cerebos.dev. That's C-E-R-B-O-S dot dev. Um, it, it, but we are, as I mentioned, we are, we are behaving very much like a B2C company. Everything we have about Cerberus is on our website. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Slack community that uh, users can engage in if they're actually playing with Cerberus, going through a documentation, playing within our playground. If they have any questions, uh, we'd be more than happy to answer them. And then we also offer sessions to talk much more about the specific business domain requirements and figuring out how they can actually write policies for their requirements. We also have an upcoming launch of Servos cloud-managed control plane, which actually helps uh, manage different Servos deployments that you have. And for any information on that, they can go to servos.dev slash next. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real delight to have you on the Tech Arena. Thank you very much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for joining The Tech Arena. Subscribe and engage at our website, thetecharena.net. All content is copyright by The Tech Arena.